When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. guys welcome back to another episode of the podcast today i have coach gardner he's a defensive coordinator at corner canyon high school in utah coach thanks for coming on for the first time ever yeah excited man excited to talk a little ball and you know i'll uh, i'll focus on your your background i'll focus on the illinois piece i'll focus on the bears <laughs> piece i'll choose to ignore the cubs part so We'll be good. Other than that, you know, my, my central Illinois roots, right? Like people are always shocked when I say I'm like a Bears fan and a, a, a Cardinals fan. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, I grew up an hour and a half from St. Louis, right? We had a single A baseball team, Cardinal based baseball team in, in Springfield. So like, of course, and like my uncle, like my dad was a bricklayer. So like we never had like time to go do stuff like that, but my uncle did. And uh, he worked for uh, for uh, Staley's Indicator, mm-hmm. and so he would actually have vacation time and take me down there. So he'd take me down, and we'd sit in the bleachers and watch Cardinals games. So um, I'll just I'll just put something over the little cubby thing right there, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I apologize for that, but yeah, I grew like I grew up by Champagne, so it was like I was right in the middle. You were either Cubs or Cardinals. It was one yeah, or the other. Hundred percent right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like my uh, my little brother. He's like 15 years younger than me. And like, I remember like my mom would take him out to the farm for his, like stay with the grandma and uh, she'd take him out in like a Cardinals outfit and he'd come home in a Cubs outfit, <laughs> right? Like with, even within the family, there was uh, yeah. So you're like, you're Charleston guy, right? You're that area, right? Matthew Charleston. Well, I, I, I went so to, you, was that- I grew up uh, like the Fifty and Oakwood area by Danville and Champaign. Oh, okay. Um, but then I went to, yeah, awesome. I went to yeah. East, I went to Eastern though in Charleston. So uh, I took that long college route of changing my major four or five, six, seven times, uh, and just coached at Charleston. Nice. Just, just kind of, they, they needed coach. I was coaching at Oakwood for a little bit and then they needed coaches at Charleston. So it kind of worked out. So that's, you know, just offense coordinator there for a little bit nice. and basketball track. I did all three. Nice. When were you doing track? That would have been from 2000 – when did I coach or what did I do? Yeah, when? Um, what, what year would that have been? 2015 or 16 maybe through 2018. Okay. Yeah, it would just miss crossing paths. I coached I coached track for a couple of years when I was in Riverton, but I, I, left, I left Illinois in 2014. Yeah, I started coaching football at Charleston. It was like the same time. I think I started track 
and then Charleston got a new head football coach. I went up to him and brought me on. Uh, nice. He lived in he lived by Mount Zion in Decatur and drove to Charleston every day to coach football. Jeez, um, that's not an awful drive, but but not but not not fun. It's not my commute now. My commute now is three and a half minutes. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. No stoplights. A uh, couple stop signs, a couple roundabouts. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, he uh, he was a uh, grain farmer, so he would farm, and depending on where he was, it might be like an hour and fifteen minute drive for him, like to get over there. Yeah, yeah, and, that's wild. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, that's when I was down there and uh, ran my course there because how do I put this? I was the only one not born and raised in Charleston on staff when he left because he left and I stayed because I was like okay. tw- I was like twenty four years old. Hey, uh, now you're the offensive coordinator, and you think you know it all, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. And the the words that kept coming out of people's mouths were, well, this is not how we have always done things, or this is what you know we did. And one day I said, can you show me all your state title trophies? Can you show me all your conference title trophies? And they really couldn't. And I said, well, your way doesn't work. Like, and so I just kind of ran, you know, I ran my course. Like they didn't like that. And yeah, uh, no, I get it. Yeah, and being 24 is tough, man. Like, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't start coaching until I was 30, right? So, like, I, I was out outside of the K-12 world um, completely. And, you know, kind of always had the thought of coaching, but just never had the opportunity or whatever. And then, well, I was about 29. Uh, I was living in St. Louis, moved back. My wife and I were dating. It was kind of the, all right, first one to get a job in the other person's area. So I was in St. Louis, choosing Springfield. And uh, ended up moving back, got a job at my hometown uh, as an IT guy and started getting into coaching. Um, you know, it, and so timeline-wise, I think, you know, probably from when you started coaching to being a coordinator versus, you know, me being a coordinator is probably pretty similar, except, mm-hmm. you know, as a 30-plus-year-old man, I probably handled things, right, like differently and, mm-hmm. and had a different perspective on it. But, um yeah, man, that's that's tough, especially when it's like the, well, this is the way we've always done it. You know, like when I was at Riverton, a place that hasn't had much success, um, I mean, we were actively doing things, intentionally doing things that we'd never done and tried mm-hmm. to going away to do things a different way. And, and um, you know, we were doing stuff that um, wasn't yielding a lot, but we knew it was the right stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then whenever we all left and went all, you know, again, ran its course and you know, life took us in different directions. Every time we started doing the stuff we were doing at Riverton anywhere else, it took off like a rocket ship, mm, right? Like, yeah. you know, so Hamilton get, you know, Lee goes down to Mascuda. He does the stuff what he'd been doing at Riverton with uh, athletic PE and weightlifting mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and then they start kicking ass. They, you know, they go to Juliet Catholic, win at Juliet Catholic, which is, you know, yeah. as far as like, if you're an Illinois boy, that's, that's got some power in it to go into their place and get them and, and then Hamilton got fired from Riverton the next year. He was in the finals with planes, mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, I got told that I wasn't really a football guy because I, we started having success in track. Uh, they thought I was a track. I, you know, I, I never ran track. I was a baseball kid, football, basketball, baseball. Right. You know, and I was having more success as a wrestling coach and a track coach, two sports I'd never played. <laughs> um, you know, so, um, you know, and then so then I get away and I go, you know, I'll get out of there. And then I, you know, I've coached in two state title games now. I'm, I've been the bridesmaid a couple of times, but like, 
it's wild. You just take the stuff that we were doing there and we started using it other places. And, you know, it's, it, Riverton's a tough place to win. Um, I like the staff they have in place right now, but man, they got their hands full. Like down there, you go three and six, you've done a good job. Right. right. Like a real good job. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I think that's one of those things where like perspective on what you're doing coaching wise, right? Like, um, one of the things that I've done this off season, keeps trying to remind myself is that winning's hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So I've had, you know, I can get spoiled where I'm at right now. And I was, we had a lot of success when I was at park city. Um, and one, I probably won more games in my last six years than I did in the first eight or 10. Wow. As a coach, I guess yeah. inversely proportional, right? Like, um, and so for me, like when I'm watching like NFL or college games and, and, and something weird happens, it reminds me like, it really is hard to win football games. It's easy to lose them. It's hard to win them, you know, right. um, to try to keep that perspective because yeah, I mean, I, you know, but last year, uh, you know, we weren't what we were uh, 11 and three and it was considered like a rough year here. <laughs> and so, right. right. I mean, there are some years I would, yeah, 11 would have taken me, took me three or four years at Riverton to do that. Right. And, um, yeah, so that's you know I try to remind myself how hard it is so you don't get spoiled, you know. Right. Uh, the best season I've ever been a part of was ten and one at Glumbard East. We went. I went there in 2018. We went nine and zero. Won our first playoff game. East St. Louis came to town, so that's kind of where it ended. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Flyers, baby. Yeah. No, I we uh, in 2019 when it was a state title game at Park City, and we finished the season. I think we end up. If we finished the season, we went thirteen and one. We lost state title, went thirteen and one, right? And so right. we were walking off the, we were walking off the practice field, you know, like going yeah. into week ten. And well, one of our assistant coaches, who's now the OC up there, was like, "Man, I've never been nine and zero." And I just started laughing. I'm like, I've never been two and zero. You know, the year before we went to the state semifinals, but we lost. We lost right. early. We were under. We were actually like we were like one and one and three at a point or something uh-huh. one and two at a point. Like we were like, I'm like, I've never been two and oh. And he starts laughing. He's like, never. I'm like, never. <laughs> I've never been two and oh, let alone nine and oh. Like it was such an uncomfortable feeling for me to be like, be the hunted. We were preseason number one, all that stuff. Right. right. Like, and the only reason we were preseason one um, was that we shocked. Uh, we pulled up an upset in the quarters against the other, the team that ended up beating us in the finals that year. Right. And so, right. um, yeah, I've never in my life had been the team that everyone just assumed would win and, you know, kind of thing where you were the, almost the hunted. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, that and that Corner Canyon, that's the case at Corner. Like Corner Canyon, you know, this is going to be a, a crazy number, but let's say we lost three games last year, right? Right. The five years before I got there, they were 63-3. and three. Jesus. Yeah, so like – and our losses were to two-time defending – the two-time state champs in 5A, right. asterisk – they have, um, like we talked, enrollments are weird in, in in Utah. It's ten through twelve. Right. Um, their enrollment. So, and we petition up. So their enrollment was bigger than us. So they're the five A state champs, but they were they had a bigger enrollment than uh, two of the four teams in the classification above them. Right. Because they're growing so fast. Like yeah. in the two year window, um, they have like twenty four hundred students. So they were like thirty percent bigger than us. And so we, we lost them very, very good football team. Right. Um, and then we lost to Bishop Gorman, right? We lost to Bishop Gorman. That mm-hmm. was interesting. Uh, and then we, um, 
and then we lost the title game to a team we'd beat previously in the season. Um, and so, you know, uh, rough, you know, but you lose to the Nevada State champs, the 5A Utah champs, and then obviously the 6A champs. Like, So everyone that beat us was a champion. Um, right. And they proved it. And so, uh, you know, but if you, if people, I guarantee there are people that are really upset that we lost three games. Like, like shocked and mad that we lost three games. Well, that's kind of like Rochester. You know, we, we won't get into that. But mm-hmm. when, when they don't make it to a state title game, you know, we, we see it all the rumblings of about their head coach. And we're like, really? Really? Like they're upset. Yep. No, I I have I, I remember talking to um, to Schiffman. Yeah. Tony was at one of their like second round playoff games. And this was in the middle of the run. This was like five in a row or six yeah. in a row, like whatever. We might've been the, might've been five in a row working on six in a row. Right. And he is sitting in the stands and Derek makes a call on like third and 12, you know, he might've mm-hmm. ran something that maybe a little bit, whatever, but like, it's you know, crazy. And they, they end up punting. Right. And I right. think they might've scored like the three possessions before it. They end up punting and then they come out or whatever and run the ball a couple times and punted it again. And he said, the crowd was losing their mind. Right, they've won five in a row. I think they were up twenty-one nothing still, and they were like the crowd was pissed and questioning his play calling because, you know, why it's just wild. I'm like, it just proves it. Like, you know, you you do your best. You gotta trust what you do because if you if you need the validation of people not on the sideline, mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen, right? Like, but yeah, no, it's, I would say that the the vibes here are very much. Um, Rochester, but like imagine if Rochester has guys that were, you know, you have 2,000, you know, students who are playing right. on ESPN and stuff. So, but it's the same pressure of like it's state finals or better. Like, to like it's how do you overachieve in those programs? Right. Like, it's, it's like literally, even winning a title may not be overachieving. Right. Like, perspective wise for people, it's like, oh, well, you're supposed to win the title. Right. Like, well, yeah, but we did it. Like, yeah, yeah, but you were supposed to win. It's almost like you don't get credit. You can only get credit for fucking it up. Right. You know? So That sounds like weird, Texas ball. Weird where to be. Like in Texas, they're all like that. Yeah, well, Texas, I, you know, oh, I'll get on my soapbox about Texas, man. Texas, so Texas is wild because it's your teaching job. It's yes. not extracurricular. Yeah. It's co-curricular. Right. Right? So, like... You lose football games, you lose your livelihood. That's true. Yeah. Like you wonder why they're so crazy and why they're so driven. If you have a bad season, head coach messes up, coordinator messes up, everyone loses their job. And you're moving. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, oh well, we get cut, you know, whatever, then I'll just I have my teaching job. No, you don't. It's one. There's only one job, your job, and it is both. And so I get why they're crazy, but also, man, I'm like, it just that's some wild, wild stress mm-hmm. on like, go six and four, you might have to move. Yeah, yeah, you know? and, and and it's good. They've got resources. They get they get paid pretty well, and they've got some pretty good you know class loads. But man, I don't know. I don't. Like, I don't think. Not that I have the option. I'm not a teacher, but um, I don't know that I would ever be really interested in coaching in Texas just for that reason. I never thought of it that way because I knew you had to be a teacher to coach there, but I never thought about yeah. it that way because I had a buddy move down there to do that, and he went to the middle school mm-hmm. first. But they make you coach two sports. Like you have to do – if you do football, you're probably doing track. And That's the contract. 
Right. right? That's the contract. It's co-curricular. So it's like you're going to teach history, you're going to coach football, and you're going to coach what else? Wrestling? Okay, wrestling. Right. right? Like yeah. it's it's all one contract. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. So maybe you're in a better spot than than Texas because, like, yeah, they want you to win a state title, but at least, <laughs> at least you right? don't lose I mean, everything. I couldn't even coach in Texas, right? I couldn't even coach in Texas because I'm not a teacher, right? But right. Um, I think there are some levels, some different, like some independent and like private schools where you can do that. Yeah. But yeah, there's it's a no go. Like you know, um, plus and minuses. Good for them that they can do it. I also know that coaching shortages are a problem everywhere. And yes. so it'll see, it'll see if it ever hits Texas hard enough to where they have to change rules. Um, you know, I've never, you know, um, I think mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff goes on out there about like not, you know, off campus coaches. Um, and as much as um, I see the value in having guys in the building and having those relationships as a guy who spent, you know, even though I wasn't a teacher, I was K-12 IT guy. So I was in the building with kids. Um, I just like even I, I've, like I, I put it out the last couple, last couple of weeks. I'm looking to add staff, right? So, you know, three years ago we had a top in COVID year. They were top ten in the country, mm-hmm. right? And then they had like a top fifty finish last year, year before last. I think we were top, I don't know, top hundred eighty in the country, right? Right. Um, put out D one guys every year, right? We got guys, got guy in the NFL. We're gonna have more guys in the NFL, um, right? They're the, our head coach is what 74 and six in the last six seasons. Wow. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I put it out on Twitter. Hey, looking for a couple of coaches, defensive coaches. How many emails do you think I've gotten in two weeks after putting that out? How many guys do you think have tried to apply? I would say zero or one. Yeah. I've had a few, right? Okay. I've had a few of it's seven. Okay. Right. I've had seven. Now, if you take away like relatives, dads or net brothers and stuff that cut it in half. Right. And so it's, it's just like, it's amazing to me how hard, like last year, our staff, I had a first year corner coach, a first year safety coach. And then I picked up another guy who has coached a little bit, but nothing like amazing. Like first, like experience in like multiple levels. Mm -hmm. Right. So we had three first year DB coaches, I had uh, an outside linebacker coach who's coached maybe like a handful of years, five or six. Uh-huh. Uh, and a D-line coach was a first-year football coach, D-line coach. And we were playing for a 6A state title. Wow. So I had more I had more experience than my staff combined. <laughs> right? And You're so right. like, right? Yeah. And so um, – and it was just it's, – it's one of those things that's wild to me that I have that much trouble trying to bring guys in. Um and so we'll see what we do. I do have some good candidates this time. I think there's some quality ones. There's some intriguing ones. There is even an EIU Panther on there. Ooh. Um, I didn't expect to see, uh, you know, a Casey Westfield guy applying for a job in, in Draper, Utah. So that was kind of cool to see just from yeah. a Illinois nerd, you know, Illinois thing. Um, but yes, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what we do because it's, it's about fit and trying to go through that. And it's also a way for me to like, you know, eventually I want to be a head coach. So it's a little bit about me, like trying to hire a staff and do a little bit of that. And we have a couple stipends. I, I, I don't know about the teaching jobs. They haven't released all those yet. So a couple of the guys are looking for teaching jobs out of it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what we have. Right. So right. Um, I'm going to take the next like two, three weeks to collect names and then start going through the process. Right. Like I kind of want guys that want to, the problem with like um, having dad's coach or like some of the other stuff like that is that, um, 
I want to invest time in these guys, my assistants. I want to bring them along. I want them to develop. I want them to be coordinators. I want them to want to be coordinators. I want them to want to be a head coach. Right. Right. Um, I, I want to find a 24-year-old version of me to a mm-hmm. large degree, right? A guy who right. wants to learn, will put in the time, is committed. Um, and so for me, it, um, you know, that's probably why I'm so willing to have those first-year coaches mm-hmm. was because I felt like they had the, the you know, um, the right mindset and outlook, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to have some guys have gone through some stuff and have the time, you know, the time put into huddle already, like, you know, like know how to go break down film on huddle. Right. Because they've been doing it for a decade, right? And so, yeah, that's that's been one of the surprising things is even here, I thought I'd have uh, maybe a better chance of getting coaches. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it'd be as, t- as tough as it's been. Yeah, we, we needed four or five after our season. We didn't fill them until July, I think, last summer. So it, it yeah. like, and we were, I was texting coaches around the area. I'm like, do you guys like know anybody that needs a coach or wants to coach? We have a stipend or two. Like if they're volunteering, we have stipends. And they were like, no, if you find anybody, let us know because we can't find anybody. Yeah. And it's yeah, bad. No, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. Plus, I mean, I get it. And I get it, man. You can make a heck of a lot more doing Uber Eats, you know, or doing some other gig or something. Then, you know, like I get it. Like if it's a monetary thing, um, you know, and like I said, like, you know, guys are having great success, still get questioned and doubted. And, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why not to do it. Right. And I I guess if you look hard enough, you can always find those reasons. But, um, you know, I love it. I, I, you know, I want to find somebody that's passionate about it. Right. You know, I, I, that's what I want. I want to be surrounded because like our head coach, you know, I took a new job and I wasn't sure. I, I, I didn't really know, you know, the head coach all well I knew his success. I knew what kind of thing he was. We had a couple of good conversations, but I didn't know. And I'm crazy. Right. Like I'm loud and scream and stuff at practice. Um, and so like, I didn't know how that was going to go over. It went over really well. Um, he's very intense and, 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 but he has a crazy passion for the game and for the kids. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, like, and like the staff was as a, as a whole, I think has that. Um, and it was one of the most enjoyable coaching years I've ever had because everybody was kind of on the same page. So that now I'm thinking about like what I'm doing. It's not just about finding a guy with passion. There's now he's got to fit in with our staff and the culture and the way it goes. And it's like, you know, it's amazing that we, any, like I'll be able to find anybody, you know, it's just right. tough. Like, right. because you know, and I, if I, of course, maybe it's easier if I only have seven instead of 700 show up, you know, emails show up, but I thought I would get a little, a little bit more, uh, you know, response, I guess. Right. Because you, know? you would think as a new coach, oh, they they win a lot of games. I want to try to go there and see what they do. You know what I mean? Like if if I was out there like, oh, they have a, an opening, I would at least apply, have an interview and get that under my belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it's, I think, yeah, if you if your goal is to, is to develop and improve and maybe eventually be your own coordinator, that kind of thing, like, being associated with this program would only help you. Right. Right. Not only from like having the, the cachet of the name, but also like the experience of coaching with guys that are pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, and seeing the process and see how they go through it and, you know, get, get, be able to pull the curtain back. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. getting to see what we do in the off season see how the kids lift, see what it actually means, what the culture is like. Um, you know, that from an exposure standpoint, I think it's, it's invaluable for a young coach. Um, you know, but, Again, like I said, I can't I can't make them do it, and mm-hmm. I'm super protective of it. Like I'm not going to bring in some asshole that screws it up, right? You know, and so 
or like a guy that wants to be a one and done or a couple years and done. Right. Um, I don't, I don't want to do that either. I don't want to invest in a, a bunch of time into a guy and then not, not have him around or be like, you know, and so that's, that's part of it too, is trying to, you know, create something, you know, and I, I mean, truthfully, what I'd love to do is find somebody that could come in and take over when I leave. Right. Because eventually I'm going to leave and go be a head coach. So right. I would, you know, I would love to have a guy to get a couple more years and somebody like, all right, I'm leaving. You, you got, you got it, man. Right. Um, then, you know, that's, that's my goal. So hopefully I can find that guy. So you can hire people as a defensive coordinator or does the head coach have say in that? Or is it just you? Yeah, I'm going to do the primary stuff. Right. So my job is I want to say, Hey, we've got, you know, I talked to him like, Hey, how many stipends do we have? What do we have? How many spots? Right. Cause even like last year we had spots that we just didn't fill. Uh-huh. Right. And so, you know, we've got four teams. We've got a freshman team, a sophomore team, a JV team and a varsity. So it takes a lot of coaches. Yes. Right. Like um, one of the teams across the highway from us, I think they have like 32 coaches Jesus. in their program. Right. God. 32. And so we could be similar 28 or something like that. So we had some open spots. Um, you know, our freshman class had 60 kids in it. Wow. 64 kids. Right. So like, yeah. and we brought this way. That's why we brought some of them up to sophomore, brought some of the sophomores up to JV type thing. Um, just try to get some playing time on kids, but um, it takes a lot of bodies, takes a lot of guys. Um, and so what I'm going to do is like I said, collect the names and then I'm going to filter through and I'll either do, we'll meet up in person or we'll zoom. Right. Some of the guys obviously can't get the, can't get here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll, um, and then from there I'll reduce it down. Right. And right. still down to the two or three guys that I think could help us. Um, and then I'll coordinate something with our head coach. Okay. Right? Like, so I, I'm not going to waste his time um, going through the big stack. Right. Right. If they can't get, you know, the, I'm going to run my checks and all that stuff and call on them and all those things and then boil it down to the couple guys I think could help us. And then, then talk to him about it and then have another meeting with him and that person and then review from there. Um, you know, I, I think it's, um, I think it's, I appreciate him letting me be involved completely. Right. Right. But I also think like, I, I know how busy he is uh-huh. and like, right. Like I want to respect that and be like, I don't, you know, I'll, I don't pull, I don't demand a lot. Right. I, so I tend to ask questions to, you know, I ask questions to get what I want. Right. right? That's yeah. one of my tricks. Right. Is I'll just say, like, keep me asking questions and act like I don't know. But the whole time, you know, I'm a sales guy. So like I can back him down in the corner, but I just save my chips. Right. I mm-hmm. save my chips. Like I know, like I have two or three times I can just like, I need this or I want this. Right. But I don't overplay it. I don't throw, I don't throw fits. Right. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of times last year I said, Hey, just give me, give me this one day, give me two days of this and let me know if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. We had a practicing. And so two of the two things that I think, he guards coach care guards the most is his off season strength conditioning and his practice plan. Those are the two things that if you had to ask him, like, give me the top two or three things, I guarantee you those are in the top three, right? Those two things. And, um, and so I, and I, you know, our, our strength conditioning is great. I love it. I think we walk the line between me and meatheads and being technicians. I think we do a good job of that. Mm-hmm. It's not too technical, right? Where we're, ultra paranoid about form and stuff. Right. Right. And, but we, we want them to be functional. And then it's like, also like, Hey, by the way, be a meathead, throw a ton of weight, be aggressive. Right. Right. So I think, you know, I think that's a, it's a, that's the, that's the difficult part. I'd like to see us front squat more. That's the only thing I've ever said to him. I'd like to see us front squat. Mm-hmm. 
and I left it at that. I didn't say I wanted it. Hey, let's switch to this. I was like, I'd like to see front squats. Mm-hmm. That was it. He asked me, what do you think we're missing? What do you think we need to add? I'm like, front squats. That's it. Because we squat twice a week. We do all that stuff. I'm like, can we just, on our second leg day, can we do just a, you know, one period of front? That's mm-hmm. it. That's all that rest. Only to facilitate our ability to handle heavier loads and cleans. Right. Like, it's not that I believe the front squat versus the back squat. I'm, it's not, that's not what it is. Because I just want them to have time under tension in that position of load so that our cleans will go up. Right. But it's all about, from, you know, and so, but I've never pushed it. I've said my, I've said it twice. He's asked me twice. I've said the same answer twice. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the only time I've ever pushed, pushed a chip in on him was our practice plan. I thought our practice plan for the, our J, it actually wasn't even for our varsity guys. It was for our JV guys. So like at Park City, the, we would have like scout time, but the scouts would be provided by the number ones. Mm-hmm. Right. So that the JV ones versus the JV ones, O versus D because we're two platoon. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, well, let's just, I'll, I was like, you know, I was like, because I don't need six periods of scout with my scout team. Right. They can't provide enough look. There's, they're not durable enough. Right. It doesn't help me any. Right. I said, like, I'd rather come down and be your guys' scout team. I'll trade my own team time, scout team time to be your scout team just so I can see varsity speed. Even uh-huh. if we're playing somebody else's defense, I don't care. Right. right. Like it's that's still a varsity guy. It's still block destruction, still run fitting. It's still all those things. Right. We play eight coverages. I guarantee you, we play some sort of version of the coverage that the other people are playing. Right. Right. And so, but what the cool thing is, is now whenever we're going down and we're the scout offense, uh, offensive scout team, so we're defense for a scout providing scout, our JV defense is getting the scout look from the O, JVO. And so, if the varsity, like, so now my staff can go down and work with the JV defense. So my JV defense in the quarter can call it. I can coach my backers. That guy can coach corners, right? right. Somebody else is running the, uh, the varsity defensive scout team, right? And right. then we switch. So then the varsity offensive coaches go down and work with the JVQ and the JV yeah. offense, right? And so we're providing a look. We're getting more varsity one looks, speed looks, even if it's running somebody else's stuff. And my JVs are getting as many reps of like self scout one verse one good on good JV mm-hmm. as the varsity guys, right. and they're getting coached by the varsity coaches. Right. So you know if you've been in programs where people are like, you know, they treat the JV like an afterthought. Yes. Or yep. that's what the parents think, right? Mm-hmm. Or the kids feel that, right? But it's really hard to say that whenever Eric cares down coaching the JV offense. Or I'm down there with the JV defense, right? right? It's like, well, it's not an afterthought, right? Because I'm I'm down there, mm-hmm. right? And so, and then you see what happens to your JV team's development over the course of the season, because they're getting almost on par the same amount of reps as the varsity guys, right? So by week six or seven of the JV season, they're kicking the shit out of people that they shouldn't be, right? Because they're not staying on the sideline watching other people play football. And so that was my only thing. I'm like, I hate this. Can we please do it this way? I'm like, give me one day. And if you hate it, I'll shut the hell up. And right. so we did it one day. He's like, no, I like it. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, I, I could, I could push, right. Like, um, but I think I built enough trust in a year with him. You know, I've barely been there a year, not even a year yet, maybe, but I've built up enough trust that if I have an idea, he trusts me. So like when I'm like, Hey, I want to start pulling on a couple guys. He's like, cool. I think, you know, I've, I've earned the right to do that as a coordinator. Plus right. like, I wouldn't take the job if I could run my stuff and 
do my thing. Right. Uh, like I, I just, I, you know, I love coaching, but like, um, I'm spoiled. So my, the head coach I had in Missouri, the head coach I had in park city, they let me do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And so if I had to go to a place and like, you're going to run our defense, you're going to do my thing. I'd be like, no, I'll just go coach somewhere else. Like right. go, I'd rather go coach a position group than have to run somebody else's version of a three, four or four, three or four, two, five. Right. Um, it's just not, it's not worth it to me. It'd be torture. So, right. um, so I, I try to find jobs where they do allow me to have that autonomy going in. Um, and that's one of the things he promised me coming in. He's like, you can ask my ex-coordinator who just got a head coaching job how many times I clicked over on the headset. And he's like, I just don't do it. I'm like, okay, cool. Perfect. By the way, I'll mute you if you do. So, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, right? And so that's – but that's that's what I look for. You know, I think that's smart too is that, you know, you got to know yourself, right? Like I know who I am and how I am. Like right. if he was going to dictate to me how to play defense, you know, play defense, it would have been trouble. So, right. That kind of happened at Charleston, even though I was young, was um, the head coach had left the day of the first practice, so it was all like turmoil a little bit. So the defense coordinator got the head job. I became yeah. the OC. Um, so the OC spot, we kind of were like, we'll just run what we were running during the summer, slowly start to tweak it to what we all kind of think. The next year, full OC. But what happened was I wanted to do some of this, and then I turned into, well, maybe you need to do this. Maybe you need to do this. So I became a little handcuffed, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. You're young, number one, it doesn't help. Number two, when you get told what to do, and you're researching things, you're trying to figure out, and you want to do this, and you get told this, it's terrible. It's awful to just be like, you have to do this. It doesn't allow you to grow as a coach either, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, maybe, yeah, I, I think that there's in the beginning, maybe that, you know, if you come in, if you came in knowing that, like, hey, you're going to be the OC, but I want you to run the offense within my construct. Right. Uh, this is the framework. This is the offense. We're going to, 80% of your playbook is going to be this, right? Mm-hmm. You can add in some screen, a wrinkle, a little bit of this, but you're going to run what we run what the kids already know, like if you went in, if that was the agreement going in, then Mm -hmm. that's the agreement, you know, like I said, I wouldn't look for those opportunities. Right. Like, um, you know, right. Because I just, I know my, my personality, maybe if I were 22, 23, I'm like, cool. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's a matter of like, do you go a place where like, if you got the job, let's say you got a job place that was successful and they're like, Hey, look, this is what we run. This is all our kids know from third grade through 12th grade, we run this offense. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're getting the experience of like, let's say you went to like a, like a Tolono. Right. right? So you're at Tolono where they had this amazing tradition and he's like, Hey, you're going to run the offense like this. And you're like, okay, so I'll do that. Right. Because I get to be around these guys and learn this and see all these other things <clears throat> and develop under my trust. Right. But the, the trade off there is I get to trade a little bit of my creativity for the exposure to, this program and how they do things or whatever. But like, if, like you said, it's not like Charleston was lighting the world on fire. Right. Okay, man, what, what's it going to hurt? Um, and I'm also like, so it's weird, you know, guys like I I've changed defenses after winning. I, we lost the state title the next year we came back and I changed the defense. Like we at park city, when we went to the three, five, we went like 22 and 22 and four and two seasons with it. Okay. I changed yeah. it. Because I didn't feel like we had we didn't have three five personnel anymore. We had four three personnel, so I switched it. 
Oh, okay. Right? And yeah. so I run a four three four two five defense. I come to Corner Canyon, who's went sixty three and three with running a four two, a four three, right? Right. Like four three like like mod team, and which is my favorite stuff to run. And I mm. didn't run it because I felt like it didn't fit the personnel we had in the building. Right. Okay, like, so yeah. it was like you know, as much as I might like a system, I'm also uh, fits my talent because the weird thing is, is whether you look at when I was. Well, I did Missouri as a four, a four, three, four, two, five team to Park City, where we end up being an odd front, and then back to an even front, and then down here an odd front. My indies haven't changed. Okay. Our our indies haven't changed. It's the same shit. It's just right. where we start pre snap, right? So like, um, realistically, like even like making feel like how can you make that change? I'm like, well, my my position coach's stuff didn't change. Now maybe a little bit here or there. Like when we were a three-five team, we had to work a lot on like rerouting and protecting the seams mm-hmm. in two by two versus cover three. Um, that went away, right? But the, because we only play, we played so much cover three when we were a three-five. Um, it's like the man that pr- in practice was one kick ten thousand times versus ten thousand kicks one time. Yeah, like we knew we had to be able to survive any and all concepts in cover three. So like. We work so much on. It's like if you play cover two, you better learn how to defend smash. Right. Right. So if you're playing cover three versus two by two, you better be good against four birds. Right. And how are you going to handle it? What are you going to do? So we practice it nonstop. So much, you know, that we couldn't practice anything else. Right. It's like a veer mm-hmm. team that can't throw the ball. <laughs> well, they don't have time. Right. We've only got so much time to practice. Right. You're not going to have a you know an intricate pass game. Right. Well, because you're you're in mesh drill for 20 minutes every day. Right. You're in this, you know, type thing. And so that was maybe part of the reason why I got away from just being that three, five cover three all the time was because I felt like, you know, it just kind of hurt our flexibility. And uh, um, we were so dependent upon it that when we did have to make changes, we weren't great at it because we had just been practicing cover three, 75, 85% of our snaps of practice every day since the summer. Yep. You know? Right. <laughs> I was going to say how easy of a transition – I was getting ready to say that and you kind of answered a little bit. Like how easy is this transition to change like for a defense? I feel like offense, we're stubborn. Offensive guys, we're stubborn. Like we can't really change too much or we, it drastically switches things sometimes. Well, what if you're, like, if you're a gap scheme team, right? And right. You're like, okay, we're gap scheme under center 21 team, right? We're a power team. And then you're like, hey, we're going gun. Like, okay, cool, go gun. We're going to go two by two. Cool, go two by two. Can you still run power, Q power? Like, yeah. You know, like, are you, like you're still running gap. You're still running trap. You're running gap scheme stuff. Are you a zone team? You're, you're wide zone. Yeah. All right. Well, then be wide zone, right? Like, I think that's the part you got to say. It's like, oh, formationally, we can get in different formations. Maybe it affords us other things. But, like, changing your blocking scheme would be crazy. Right. Right? Like, that would be an overhaul. Whereas, like like I said, like for us, um, the reason we went to the 3-4 from the 3-5 was because that was my first check. The first, my first adjustment when I was in the three-five, if I needed to pass, I'd sub in a safety, pull out a backer, because the way we fit our three-five, that middle stack had no run fit or pass responsibilities. So when I took the middle stack off the field, it didn't affect my anybody. Right. Right. I just got to put the safety in, and now we're playing split field coverage and doing some stuff, whatever we do. So um, I thought, well, could I do that in the opposite manner? Could I start too high? Everybody has their run fits. Mm-hmm. And then I can just check to cover three by personnel, add a backer or walk a safety down. And then he's just 
it's a plus fitter for run. Right. Right. And so that was the big deal. So that's what we did. The only thing that changed, the only thing that, that would change is that if we got um, two polars, so if we got GT, mm-hmm. right, or if we got right. power, if we got like GH or anything, um, in our 3.5, that the the side, the stack backer to the side where the pull starts didn't have to cross the midline, right? He could stay home. That was just flow away. The middle stack would fit. He'd be the bonus player, right? So right. in fits, stack backer fits, then we have four in an alley from him, right? Right. So when we go to the three, four, that changed. I didn't have that guy anymore. So that was the one change was that whenever they would go in, that was one thing. And dime, if we got GT, we had to roll over the top. Right. And so um, that was the big issue was I hate teaching if thens. Okay. Even yeah. to the point where like in, in our three, five, technically we're getting in football theory weeds here in our three, five, everybody in the box is a spill guy, right? Mm-hmm. Every fits a spill. Okay sort of so if a team runs iso uh-huh. i actually want my linebacker to box it okay because where's my safety he's over on the side he's way back he's in the middle of the field yeah he's in the middle of the field. field so if i spill it I, it's not like i'm spilling uh the, the fullback i'm not spilling the ball to the safety the too high safety guy so in theory it's like hey, i need you to spill 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 but unless the Unless the block, here's the thing, unless the block comes from second level, then I need you to box it. That would be the rule. Right. Spill, spill, box. Oh, I hate that. If it's second level of the offense, then you got to do that. That's death. That if you ran ISO and he spilled it, and we just lived with it. Now, it might only have been a yard or two difference, but we just lived with it, right? So... In when installing by starting in the three four, now the base rules you cross, you you do cross on GT right. Mm-hmm. So now when I add the extra guy, I still cross. I don't, I'm not teaching an if then. Right. Right. So if I call our check to bring that uh, that that middle guy down and he chases, I don't care. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like for me, it was a matter of like, what's the one problem when we go from the three five to the three four? It's oh, well, I have to teach an if then. And as the inside backers coach, I did it, right? I, I felt like I was stressing my own guys. But I'm like, but when I teach, if I just taught him that was his base rule, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't have to make a, uh, I wouldn't have to asterisk the change, right? So actually, teaching it three four to three five was actually less teaching, right? They don't have to think it, right? They don't have and to so think like, as much now. I'm not changing anything. We're just, it's just pre snap alignment, right? It's just pre snap alignment. You line up here, you play the B gap. If it close, close, and you're going to get exchange in the C. That's our whole defense. Well, whether it's the three, four, or the three, five, that's still what they're doing. Right. Right. And then I have to work with the, I have to work with the kid who's going to now fit. But realistically, that kid is more than likely, I get to pick out of the two safeties. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm picking the one that probably has the demeanor to thump somebody. Right. Right. So I'm going to pick the run fitter of the two. And now I'm going to tell him, hey, put your toes at six and a half, go find the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. Because really, he doesn't have a gap. Is that pass responsible? It's hard for me to be wrong. Right. Right. And so I'm I'm taking the stress off the one backer and I'm putting the other kid in a position where it's really hard for me to be wrong. Right. Um, and so that's how you change it. Right. Like it's like I, I even say like four three four two five. I originally put in the it was a four two five guy, right? Mm-hmm. But I stopped installing four two five and installed from the four three. Because it was really hard to get that nickel. I think I'm getting a little check. 
be on my side. I might have to pause my video. Can you hear me, Steve? Yeah. Um, give me one, one second here. Yeah. I can still hear you. Okay. So let me mess with my internet real quick and see if we can do Okay. You know, <laughs> so I installed, I used to, you know, I was a 425 guy. And the problem was, was that that nickel, hard to get that nickel to come back in the box. Right. Right. Because we installed the 425. It, right. But then if I installed the 4.3 and said, hey, you start here. Mm -hmm. And when there's trips, go ahead and go out. They under inherently understood that better. Right. right. So I started saying we're a 4.3 because that's what how I would install the defense. I would install the 4.3. Right. So I would have the heavier box, the bigger box mm -hmm. by default. And then it made sense when they got lighter, they got thinner in theirs. Then our guys intuitively would go walk out. Right. Right. So again, like. People are like, why'd you change from a 4.2 to a 4.3? I'm like, really? Install? Mm -hmm. I felt like the install point from the 4.3 helped us more, gave right. us more options, because I think it's pretty intuitive for a kid to be like, oh, there's three guys out there. I better go out there. Right. It's right. And so I think, you know, a lot of times, like, when people question why I would change defense as much as I do, I think that um, they see it as this huge overhaul. And I just see it as like, Put your best 11 kids out there by demeanor and like physicality and speed. Right. And block destructions, block destruction and spilling is spilling. And you just put them in pre snap positions. Um, so it doesn't impact the day to day work. Right. Uh, maybe I'm stupid because I am stupid simple. It's like, it's just like you said, alignment, like offense out formation. It's kind of out formation. Like it, it looks like a 4 3, but it's a 4 2 5 principle sometimes if you put the right guy in. Right. If I'm saying we, that correctly. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So it's like we're 4-3, but if you line up in trips, gun trips, well, then we're 4 two, five. Right. Because, you know, my my, my Sam backer is going to walk out there and play because he sees people out there. It was hard, like, when they would go, like, two back, 21, you know, we get into, like, 21 or they get into 12, and that nickel wanted to stand out in space and do nothing. Right. Say, like, hey, no, we need you back in the box, Bubba. We need yeah. you back in here, right? Um, and so that was always a harder, the harder part for them to get was that, um, so I said, well, we'll just start in the box. So started in the box and then they inherently understand when to widen. Um, that was something, you know, I took notes after my first year as a defense coordinator, I took notes, um, on every practice plan and kept them all and reviewed them at the end of the season, like a three ring binder of them. And I just kind of made a note one day, like can't get the damn nickel back in the box. Mm -hmm. Like that was literally my note. Can't get the damn nickel back in the box. And then I realized so I was reading, I'm like, what if I just had him go there and then, right? And that was the adjustment, right? right. So, like, in theory, we switched from a 4-2 to a 4-3, and we didn't change a damn thing except how I installed it. What, how, you know, the vision of it. Like, right. hey, we're a 4-3. This is how we're going to fit it. Oh, wait, we don't need to. You go ahead and bump out. Um, and so that's the same thing with me. Like, the 3-4, the 3-5. Like, you know, we wanted to, I wanted to run three high stuff when we were at 3-5. Um mm -hmm. And I used to take my weak side, my boundary outside linebacker, mm -hmm. and swing him outside of number one, 
when we were playing like quarter, quarter, half. Yeah. Um, and so, right. Because he could run fit from there and we could funnel that, that, that number one inside a little more. Right. Um, plus like the act, the quick access throws to the boundary, right. That's a real issue. Yeah. Um, and so we just put him out there in the way, right. He's already a flat defender. He was already, you know, face of one defender. So why not put him in the flat, put him in the face of one, let the corner play off and inside. Right. So that's kind right. of how we did that. Well, when we went to go to three deep, three high, we just did it with both backers. Right. So we yeah. just took our outside backers and played them like hard corners. Oh, like, like took them, yeah, took all the, the way out there. Yeah. Yeah. All the way out. Right. And then we took the, the corners and put them on the safety, on the hashes, like cover two safeties. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the, and so realistically, we installed uh, our three high in about 45 seconds because it was all same as hey get in the tight front hey we don't tight front this. all right hey, I, I, hey mike and will i need you guys to boss so bump outside on the slots got it and then i need corners i need you guys both to betty got it i got cool we're gonna play this coverage number on uh, middle safety i'm like hey you're just gonna match three rob he's like got it so that was the install literally walk through install went to sevens played it like because it was all like stuff we already do we just pieced it together right right and so i think that's the part that i think um i've done we've done a good job of is the same as stuff so we'll put stuff in like nah it's just this don't freak out it's the same as this right um you know like we have a you know we play like a cloud three mm -hmm. um we also play a box it's the same positions it's just the corners down as versus the outside linebackers down mm -hmm. right it's still low man in the flat low like an outside hook player quarter or third middle player and then another guy over that third or quarter it's really like if you look at it like if i if i just literally did x's nose and didn't put a c or a b or an s you wouldn't know the you really couldn't tell the difference in the call okay yeah right but but it's but it's wildly different for me right because if you're playing right if you're a bubble and a bubble on a screen team um and you're gonna like attack that edge like do you want to attack a corner or do you want to attack an outside backer right like yeah. so for me it's like it, their impact is personnel but it, literally it's the same shape right right it's the same shape by leverage on the field by leverage of formation but now i can dictate personnel for those individual matchups right um glombard west did that to us a lot the corners would play safety or the linebackers go all the way out and the corners would drop back and that would screw with our kids for some reason. Like I never really saw yeah. it, but everybody's going to the three, three, everybody's doing that. Like I see it seven times. Like everybody does it. Yeah. And then they're all bumping yeah, those think, guys out. Yep. Yeah, I think, was it um kid? Is that down Moreau Forsyth? I think he tweeted that the other day that the entire Sangamo conference <laughs> is like a stack conference. Yeah. Right, because I know Winslow done it forever. They done it forever. Yep. I think Athens is doing it and playing like a real aggressive cover one. Yep. Um, stuff like they won't get out of cover one for anything. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there's there's advantages to it, right? Still, just six man box. But, you know, the reason I I like odd front is because it puts less demand on the need for big bodies. Yes. Right. And whether you're one platoon or two platoon, it doesn't really matter to me. It's either I need eight guys plus a couple key subs, right? Or I've got a right. I can, if I've got five good O linemen, I only need three of them at a time on D line, mm -hmm. right? Instead of four, right? right? And so for me, that's always the thing. Like this year, I think we could be an even front, right? I've got a couple really tall defensive ends. I got a couple stout guys on the inside, 
but I don't know from a 10,000 foot standpoint that that makes our team better from a rotation standpoint. Cause a couple of those guys that I would want to play on the interior also play O-line. Right. Right. And so it's a matter of like, yeah, that would make our defense better, but that would that drag down the, the collective of the team. Right. Right. Because now those O-line guys aren't on the sideline working with our O-line coach. Right. When we're out there, they're playing extra snaps. Like, you know, is our is the value maybe situationally and, and goal line and stuff like that subbing them in right um even though i do think the one kid is probably a he's probably a p5 defensive tackle um and, and i'm like talking about not, you know not using him mm-hmm. and so um you know full time now that's the thing is if i could get him full time no offense well then it, it would be it would be a no brainer right? right like i just not a big fan of cuz i don't think it's fair to the kid Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't like sharing. I just don't think it's fair to the kid because um, I don't give a shit that I'm not going to give a shit on Friday nights that you missed Indy because you were O-line Indy. Right. Right. So if you don't like step down squillies and spill the way I want you to, to, then you won't be on the field. And so it's like, but it's not fair for me to grade because I'll grade the kid uh, no matter what right. the same way. It's not fair to him that he gets graded like the kids that get 40 minutes of Indy a day and he gets 12. Right. right, like he gets some reps during inside run, or he gets some reps during this, and that's always my problem is that I, I can't lower my um, standards, mm-hmm. but um, it, and I don't want to, but I hate doing that to a kid. Be like, sorry, man, uh, you know, in the middle of the game, I'm going to yank you out of the game and scream at you, like, and it's not really fair. So I always have a hard time wanting to do that playing kids, but that's what another reason why I like the odd front is because I now I don't need nine starting offensive linemen right you know between the two sides right um people always tell me though they need a big nose guard to play it though that's why they get away from it they're like we need this big nose guard and i think nick davis i'm friends with nick davis he's from charleston yeah and he's the first guy to tell me that he was like he was at rose holman at the time and he was like no you don't he goes i figured out real quick if i have a fast nose guard still disrupts everything for the o-line it's an, he, he's got to be gritty. He's got to be tough. Mm-hmm. He's got to, and, and this is one of those mind things that I try to get guys to understand is that, um, so our guys, nose guards, like the nose guard this year was probably 220, 510, 220, 215. Hmm. Um, yeah. Right? Good size, but we, like I said, but like whenever, you know, we're facing. You know, I probably the average offensive lineman in Utah is 6'3, 285. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, Polynesians are a real thing, dude. They live and exist. <laughs> and, like, when you go against three and four of them, like, if you're – and he was my heavy D lineman. At 220, he was the big one. Oh, wow. Right? And so, right? Um, and so, yeah, my other one was, like, 205, and the other one was, like, 210. Now they're both, like, 6'5", six, 6'7", six, but not big, heavy guys. Right. The – so his job is he's two gapping uh-huh. unless he's double teamed. Okay. So unless he's double teamed. So I always tell him guy like, look, it, you want to get double teamed. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds, it, it sounds crazy, but if you get double teamed, your job gets easy mm-hmm. because now you only have one gap. Right? right. So I get them in that mindset of like, Oh, please double team me. Cause I want it easier because two gapping is legitimately impossible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really, really is impossible. So like, when by offensive scheme they, they take us out of two gapping. When they double team him, then you're gonna play one gap. Right. 
right? And so do they kind of get that mindset, like, please double team me because I can execute at a higher level if you double team me. And they start, they love the double teams, right? right. So you need a kid who's willing to be gritty and tough and, and crave double teams mm-hmm. and play with high effort. That's the kid. Whether he's 190 pounds or 270 pounds, those those personality traits, those markers are more important than maybe the stature. Right. Then, because when I was at Charleston, 3-4, I was an offensive guy. When he brought me on, he goes, nope, you're going to learn defense. So the first defense I had to learn was a 3-4. That's what he did. That's yeah. what we loved. But it was the same thing. Uh, we had a kid. He was our fullback. Like we ran eye formation. He was our fullback. We put him at nose guard because he's like, you need this 240-pound kid at nose guard. And so then moving up to the suburbs, um, we ran a four down front, but then going to a three-man front, they're like, but we, we have this fast nose guard, so he even start click with me. I was like, but will he get killed? But he would just zoom by people, or he was, like you said, nitty-gritty, like a wrestler. He was a wrestler, so he could do it yep. and never got tired. Yep, yep that's it, – it, you know, I played center, and I'd much rather have a kid that was heavy, slow, fine. Mm-hmm. The quick guy that was going to make me snap, you know, you're fighting one handed as a center, at least back in the day. Yeah. Um, and so I would, you know, I, I'd much rather have a kid that was heavy than fast. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing is that the kid can't just take play. He can't take plays off. He has to want double teams. Um, you know, cause that's the first thing people are like, Oh, I don't have a nose guard. I'm like, I make them every year. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a lot easier to make a nose guard than it is a five tech DN that can control the B gap and cross face. Right. Like that's the harder. If you really want to get into what our D, I, what I ask our DNs to do, right, is play from a five, a four, and a four eye. Yeah, right? all over the place. And every, and it's not just that it's alignment; is that their rules change, right? So it's like right. when you're a five, you have X set of rules. Base block, reach block, down block. These are your rules. Right. You're in a four. Great. Now base, reach, and all that changes. Right, you're in a four eye. Now you have pressure keys and read keys for all those combinations. Right. So the complexity level that was the thing when I first got there that the that maybe the they weren't ready for was the complexity level, the, the demand of the complexity for the D line. And so um because they were used to being a forefront, I'm a five, I can just rip up field. No, 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 no. You gotta do this. Right. And so um yeah, I think I think what I ask my DNs to do requires more talent and skill than it, than what we ask our nose to do. Our nose job is very very simple. Right. And then like let's say for whatever reason we go against a team and they have a monster center that can solo all night and make mm-hmm. us two gap, well then I slant the sucker. Right. Right. So even then I'm going to I'm not going to ask him to two gap all night long. There's just no good comes from it. Right. Um, even though, in theory, he's a two-gap nose guard on paper, right? Right. And so, right. you know, like if I have man-to-man in my system, we, we may not run a lot of cover zero. It's not my job to protect my kid. Now, if I have a kid who's better in cover zero, then we're going to play much cover zero. But if I have a 210-pound nose guard who can't two-gap all night, well, then don't ask him to. Right. Right? Like, that's part of coaching. Right. Not because... I've been a part of that too, where we run the system. Well, you have to do this. You have to do this. And I fell into that as an O-line coach and I figured out like, well, if these kids can't do it, they can't do the footwork. They can't do this. Figure out how to get them there. Figure out how to get them to this spot. Why am I making them do this? Like, 
because I'm a big zone guy. Well, this year I have to come to the realization if we can't move people vertically, maybe that's not the best thing to do at all. Yep. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. Like I, I coached O line for a few years. You could not pay me enough to go back to O line. Oh, it's the best. It's harder though. than coordinating. <laughs> it's the best. And it's hard. I think it's harder than coordinating <laughs> because if you get, you got to get seven kids that can do it. Yeah. Right. And like you said, they can, and how they do it, the shape, what what it takes for each individual kid to get there, is is hard because. You know, like sometimes it's a matter of like I played O line. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really confusing for me. How come you can't get your hands on that guy and stay balanced and drive him? Because I I don't remember ever having an individual period in my life growing up. Really, you know, like mm-hmm. we didn't our practices weren't scheduled that way. I don't remember getting taught a whole lot of technique. I just that's the guy. The ball's going there. Cool. He's not going to make the tackle, right? Right. So sometimes for me, it's like I think that's why I've done better. Maybe like backer and other positions is because I had to think about it from like the ground up. Like why was I probably good, uh, a good track coach? I had no dogma. I had no preconceived notions. Right. Right. Why was I a good wrestling coach? Same thing. I don't know anything about wrestling, so I just knew what I needed to learn and how to explain it. And so I inherently had to learn it myself, which made me better at teaching it. Whereas right. like O line, like, I don't know, dude. The ball's going to your right guys there yeah block his ass the hell out right right like you know at times i didn't have the ability especially as a young coach to to be able to explain it in different ways right to be able to get seven eight guys on the same page and maybe have to teach it six different ways yeah right and whereas like i don't know that any other position maybe corner i think corner and o-line are really similar right i think corner and o-line are similar i think d-line and wide receiver are similar right like i just they, they are obviously you know, it's one of those weird ones right like um but i think because like you get kids at corner that have different sizes and shapes and abilities and movement and all that stuff but yet they essentially have to build to do all the same thing and you can't co- you can't coach them almost systematically it has to be tailored so much right you know if if you want them in a certain stance and they can't do it they don't have the hips but they can do the get to the same spot a, a different way you have to do that. And then you have to make sure, yep. like, well, Johnny over here looks different than, you know, John Doe over here because, well, that's because that's how they're built. That's how they're able to yep. get there. Yep, exactly. Like, I'm 5'11. I have a 29 inch inseam. Right. So, right. like, most guys that have a 29 inch inseam are like 5'4. Right. So, right. like, you know, my body shape, like, I, my, me coming out of my stance, my body shape is completely different than, some, like, my, my guard that I grew up playing with was 6'3 and probably had a 36-inch inseam, right? And so, like, the way he had to block was sure as hell, like, I never lost a leverage battle in my life, right? Like, my right. center of gravity is roughly a foot and a half below me, right? Because I'm, I'm this wide and I'm, my legs are that tall. You know, I'm never off balance. Whereas a guy like that, who is all arms and legs, right? You know, for him to be able to block the same guy as me is a completely different game, you know. And then for the challenge for you as an O-line coach is, is not what's the shape look like at the snap. It's 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 a beat and a half into the play. Do they all look the same? Mm-hmm. Right? Like you said, like, can they get there? Right? Like, I had a kid, a linebacker a couple of years ago. It was like that. His his linebacker stance made me want to puke every time I saw it. <laughs> right? And so I went in there. And I'm like, no, come on. Stick your chest out. Get here. I literally have to force him into position right and then snap the ball he'd go back to his little slumped position and then right. take off like a rocket i'm like dude grant get in a good stance <laughs> he'd get in that good stance i taught him and then the ball snap 
and he'd get in that weird position and then take off. Right. Finally, I'm like, just line up however the hell you want. And then he was even faster. Right. right? Like, so I was actually coaching him to be slower because he couldn't operate in that, right. that look. But boy, if you left him alone and said, hey, do you see this? Go here, trigger. He's a bad man. Mm-hmm. But like, if I tried to make him look like some picture, some Patrick Willis, Brian Urlacher. Nah, he looked like a dog shit and chicken bones. His back was all slumped. Dude, it was wild. But little sucker ran four six and, and and ran it and was at full speed in two steps. Wow. And so, you know, don't be dumb. You know, don't be right. dumb. Let the kid, you know, for whatever reason, you know, that's how he had to play. Um, but yeah, man, you couldn't pay me to go back to O line. Not a chance. Not a chance. Well, that's how I was able to find jobs up here, moving from, you know, living in Charleston for six years, uh, you know, coached every position, moved up here. The head coach at Glombard East, he actually coached at Charleston in the 90s. That's how he kind of figured out, like, to bring me in. And he goes, but what have you coached the most? And I said, O-line. He goes, okay, you'll be an assistant O-line coach. And then what happened? Well, another high school. I need an O-line coach. You know, we don't have one, so – there you go. And then where I'm at now, well, we need a guy that knows the run game and O-line. So you're coming in. So it was just my niche. No, it's good. And that, that, like, if you look at the hierarchy of like a program, like I think a lot of guys, there's three names that come to the top and your order changes, right? Like I think, um, I think the most important non like head coach position and all that kind of stuff. First thing is like, I think you have to have a great freshman coach. Mm Mm-hmm. I think your, your freshman program, you have to have a guy down there and he's got to have different qualities than maybe what other guys would want, but he, you have to have a dude down there that makes it fun, creates great relationships, gets the kids to the following summer. So their bodies have a chance, you know, there's not you know, the disparity between 14 year olds and, you know, is amazing. So getting them to that year two, um, I think your O-line coach, right. Is wildly important. And then strength conditioning. Yep. Now you can list those three, however the hell you like, but if you don't have those three things, you're not going to have success. Right. If you can't block people, if you're not getting stronger, if you're not keeping kids around, then you've got nothing. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but they were like, our head coach now, he did it, but he played linebacker in college. So when I showed up, it was kind of like, I said, so what'd you do before? And he goes, like you said, well, I just told him to hit him. And then here's my mind, like, well, how, how did you get them there? Like, how did you pull on power? How did you do this? And they're like, well, I just told them yeah. to get there. I just told them to get there. I'm yeah. like, well, hold on. Here's my dumbass coming in. Like, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. This footwork. And they were like, all every coach was like, that's you. We don't want it. That, that, you got it. Like, that sounds great, Steve. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, and I get that. Like, that's, that's like, I, you know, I was technical, but I didn't have the depth of knowledge. Right. I'd be like, hey, when you pull, I need you to just open up. I need this. I need you to get across the line of scrimmage on trap and come back into the trap lock, right? I don't need you – like, I need to look like this. Like, I could describe it, but, like, if that initial explanation or technique didn't work, I was scratching my ass. Like, yeah. I was like, uh, he just can't do it. You know, you're getting that lazy coach shit, right? Uh, I guess he just can't do it. And it's like, no, well, he probably can. You're just going to have to fight like hell to find out how he can do it. Right. Like, yep. um, you know, that's, I think that's, you know, it comes with age and experience. You have a chance to be able to do that. But that was my problem as, whereas like a linebacker, you know, I have, I feel like I've, 
um, matured a little bit, but also like, I just have like, um, a novice's approach to it. Mm-hmm. Like when I came in, I'm like, okay, I know nothing really about playing it. I played it a little bit in high school, but I didn't, you know, I just played, like, we didn't have enough depth to bring in the line, like uh, linebackers in when it was tired or hurt. Right. But we had more linemen. So they would bring a lineman in and stand me up to play Mike. Again, fine ball, C ball, hit ball, right? Like nothing right. technical at all. So when I went into, like, I realized I was going to have to coach linebackers. I dug in it with completely open and overstudied and, 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 and looked at everything I could get my hands on to see what made sense to me as like someone who really never played the position. Cause I figured if like my, if my system or my teachings made sense to me, that that was probably a greater chance that it would make sense to the kids right? versus maybe somebody who had played it their entire life um, and maybe took things for granted or understand it from the eyes of the person that taught them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, you know, cause I did, I would never, I wasn't taught how to play linebacker and I wasn't taught how to coach linebacker. I had to go out and figure it out. Um, which, um, which is how I approach like track and wrestling. Right. And I've, I've reproduced that like kind of ability to learn from there, like no dogma, no attachment, like what works, what actually works. Right. Right. Like, and so that's, I think that that's, you know, that's like, if I went back to O-line now, I think I might be able to reteach myself. I also do think there's a shit ton more resources for O-line play yeah. in the past decade yeah. than ever before. Yeah. Right. You know, and so I think that that's one of the neat things too is that um, there are more resources out there. Twitter wasn't really a thing then, as far as like the uh, PD part of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember getting on like when uh, O Line TV, O Line TV, right? It was Charles Bentley when he first started that stuff. It was like that was the address, like the website, right? And I remember being on there and stuff, and like literally getting it. The funniest thing is like. Uh, Charles, which is not shocking that we got into it a little bit one time because he's pretty opinionated. <laughs> but the funny thing was is that he, I was talking about like a um, anti-inflammatory diet, like paleo and no nightshades and all this stuff and a high alkaline and all that stuff. And he told me I was an idiot, which is now what he follows. <laughs> so that's always a victory when I see like him. I'm like, hey, you remember whenever you were talking shit about me uh, on that thing because I was an idiot, but yet now you. you you know, so, but that's even to hit like that. It's like, it, we just, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so like to see the development of that, you know, I think, I think if I ever went back to O-line, which like I said, I don't know that you could pay me um, if I got stuck and had to, you know, or like when I'm an old retired guy and I want to help out. Right. Maybe I could reteach myself how to do O-line. Right. Right. Like, um, but yeah, man, I do not envy you guys down there, man. Like we have, we have a great, I, I think arguably, I think we have the best O-line coach in the state. Um, he does an amazing job. And uh but he and also I mean, he does have like there are like four O line coaches, like it's oh, our it's yeah. our deepest position. I swear we have like four O line coaches. Well, like, it's all it's always been me. When I was at Glombardis, it was me and another guy. He was the main guy. I was the assistant. So I've never had yeah. that before. Where it was like, Steve, you're gonna watch the inside. I'll watch the tackles or vice versa, whatever it was. Or you watch this side. I watch this side. We're all good. And I'm like, this is a game changer right here. Yeah, yeah. And nice thing too is like they have a guy who only films tight. Like the tight angle at practice. Oh yeah, that's so the they only get one. like a tight end zone shot of the O line, one on ones, anything, pass rush, inside run. They have a tight box O line shot to review. Right. Because they have the, the guy, you know. Because if you're coaching, you can't really film. Mm-hmm. But if you have a couple guys coaching, one guy filming, man, it is 
it's pretty awesome. Like that, yeah. that's like, again, what's the value in coming to a place like corner Canyon over maybe going to be a head coach. I now know why their O-line plays so consistent. Right. Because they have four guys. They have the video of it. Like what we might miss team time on film. We are not missing. Our O-line staff doesn't miss a snap. Right. I mean, they're right. there. It's their iPad, their film. Right. They upload it to huddle, but man, it is not, they don't leave it anything to chance. And I'm like, Oh, that's why uh-huh. that's just a huge piece of what they do. Right. right. Like that's like, so for me, like if, and when I leave better damn well believe I'm stealing the hell out of that. Right. Like, yeah. Hey, I'll put a student manager up in the, in the bleachers and let them shoot me on all 22. And then I'm going to have one about five steps behind the quarterback, getting that tight shot where, you know, films, cruel, cruel mistress. Yeah. You don't miss steps, you don't, you know, like, you know, and so, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely one of the cooler things we have is that they get that shot every day. That must be nice because I, I need that in my life, but I'm by myself. So it's, yeah. You, got any, you, you guys get any drone film yet? What, I never seen drone film until I got to Glenbard East up here when we moved up here. He did it. Head coach did it. He, he did it himself, called the play, did it himself. He, he did it all. But then... There's some schools here you can't do it for some reason. It's a conference rule or it's whatever, and it's the stupidest thing ever. Dude, we can't do it. We get it. We we did a scrimmage and a team came down and they flew their drone and then shared the film with us. I was like, that's the big, that's the most bullshit thing ever. I'm like, now I have to have a drone. Like yeah. I have to have drone yeah. film. It's a game changer. Right? Like I just have to now. Right. I'm like, it's so good. It's so stupid good. And like this year, we but the problem though is like when like we're split. Because the head coach is the man, mm-hmm. the freaking drone goes with him. So I'm like, all right, next year we're getting two drones. <laughs> and so, and I'm like, you know, just right. stupid. Like, now I got to find two more filmers. So that's a sideline shot. The O-line guy shot two drone filmer. I'm like, and my buddy jokes that we're a D2 school. He always jokes <laughs> around that we, oh, that D2 life. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. So. No, the that's a game changer. <laughs> we had it when we had it at Lombard East. He was like, "Steve, have you ever seen this before?" And I was like, "No, we're we're at Charleston. We we're doing handheld. We got the got the end zone up." And he goes, "No, look at this," and does it. And we're watching it. And I'm like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And then I went to East Aurora right after, and they had it. Well, then the battery thing broke, yeah. and they went replace it. So I got real mad. I was like, "No, it's gone, like it's done." Yeah, yeah, I. uh that's one of the off-season things. We had guy. We had ones. They were okay. Um, battery life is always an issue. There's mm-hmm. a local Utah company that does drones, and they have like their batteries go like 48 minutes or 54 minutes mm-hmm. each. Yeah. So like, right? I don't have to drop it down once for practice. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll save up or we'll find some funds funds and get something that you know makes more sense for us. Right. That was the only good part was, you know, you know, it would just drop itself down really quick. So when it would during offense it would, or team time, as soon as it come down, he goes, all right, water. So he could do it and then like get nice. it right back up. So it was nev- it. never an issue. But again, since the head coach was the offensive guy, it kind of went towards offensive stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Kind of Like I'll look over like the drones in the air, I look over and it's not facing us. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I guess we don't get, I guess we don't get the drone today, boys. So we would get it during like competitive, you know, competitive you know, time. Like if we went good on good or like third and sit or, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff end zone, like red zone stuff, we would get it. And that, that was nice. Right. Um, or like we do, we finish every, we finish every day with two minute drill. Yep. 
good on good two minute drill. Yep. And we would get that. So that was always fun. Yeah. So. We, Illinois, you can do joint practices now. And so we did that in a couple of teams. We'd go there and they would have the drone. Yeah. And it just made us more mad, actually, because we were like, well, this looks great. And they'd share it with us so we could see. And we're like, this looks great. And we get pissed off. We're like, oh, yeah. wait, our conference or school won't let us do it. Like uh, That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it, like it spoils you. Like when I saw it, I'm like, OK, well, we have to get a drone now. Yeah. Like I, I can't go back. I, I, you know, I was I was perfectly happy before I knew <laughs> what this this existed. Right now that knows it exists. I, I can't I can't not do this. Right. So. Sometimes too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Yeah. Well, it's like I, um, you know, when I lived in St. Louis before I moved back and moved in with my wife, we had like a plasma TV and like all this stuff, like we bachelors, we had all the goodies, right? Right. I moved my wife and she had like a tube TV, uh-huh. right? And this was a long time ago, but like it was literally a TV, like the flat screen, but it still had a tube. I'm like, ah, yeah. nope. We're going to have to go buy something. Like I can't go backwards in technology. <laughs> like I can't go back, right? Like, and that's the same thing as the drone. Like, oh, now that I know that it exists, I can't watch as a normal video, yep. you yep. know, even from elevations, not the same because the, the pitch and the height yes. and all that stuff's not the same. So, right. Yeah. Ruined me. Ruined me. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you're watching the box on like defense or offense, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. No, you can't. You really, really can't. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, like I said, now we're, you know, of course, like I said, we, we try to get over out of control with it and get two drones and now we'd have four practice films and sometimes you're like, okay, you're being a little bit crazy, right? Like, so, but no, you need that stuff. Um, <laughs> but I, you did make a good point to me about coaching online. I wanted to bring back up because I thought about it. And I was like, yeah. yeah, I do the same thing. If I look at a kid going, how did you not block him? Cause I think back to me, like, well, could I have gotten there? And I have to take myself back and like, because I have a six six freshman, three hundred pound kid right now. He's a freshman, nice. but and I realized I was trying to put him in the stance, and he's uncomfortable looking. And how do I fix it? But I'm this guy like, nope, you have to get in the stance. And this this is one of the first years where I went individually to each kid and changed things for them. And right, and like I think it took me a long time. I'm 32 now, and I've been coaching since I was 19, and it took me like this long to figure out like. They don't how I have to be the same, but I, I then I thought back to Charleston when I became an OC. I coached quarterbacks because I was just like offensive guy has to coach quarterbacks, and I went into right. it not knowing a thing. Like you said, I went I didn't know yep. a thing about it, and I loved it. My first year, loved it. I was like, this is new. I'm working on this. I'm working on this until my second year. Then I got bored. I was like, this is the most yeah. boring position I've ever done in my life. <laughs> That's funny. Because I couldn't hit. I would look down over like right. linebackers and I couldn't hit. Yeah. No, I bet. I mean, it's it's different, right? Like I like always co- – I did like coaching running backs probably the best because I got to teach the running backs what the O-line was actually doing. Mm-hmm. So I taught the running backs to see the game through O-lineman's eyes, which I think was effective. Right. Um, and I'm just like, you know, I'm, I can get crazy obsessive compulsive about stuff, so like ball security and that kind of thing. But that's really all I did was get my guys to understand what the O-line was seeing. Right. And taking care of the ball. But I had so much fun with it. They're like, well, should I cut here? So I'm like, I don't tell you guys to do that stuff. Like if you if you don't know when to cut or when to bounce it or do that kind of thing, like you're probably not going to be the starting running back, so it's probably not an issue. But like if you don't hit push the hole and do the things that make the offensive lineman right, then you really don't have a chance. Right. Like the difference between the number one running back and the number two running back is number one guy makes really explosive cuts and knows what he's doing inherently. Mm-hmm. Right. But all you guys can actually understand 
where the play is supposed to be ran, what you're looking for. Because we ran a lot of stuff, and it wasn't like we weren't like it was concept based. So like mm-hmm. midline right or trap right, it wasn't like 42 this or 24 that. Like it was, we would just run midline to the right, and you know I didn't know the rules. That first man head up or outside the guard. Right. So if you had a one technique, we're going to leave the five. If you got a three, we're going to, you know, like you had to be able to change your aiming points and launch points. And so being an O-lineman that, you know, I could explain to them what the O-line was. I always enjoyed that a lot because um, it was like, you know, I could tell, I could teach them through that, 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 that vantage point. And like I said, I had no preconceived notion about being a running back. Right. Right. Like, you know, I had no, I had nothing built up. Like you said, like, I think I could have got there. You know, yeah. whether you could or you couldn't doesn't impact the kid, right? right? But, like, I just didn't have that when it's like, you know, I'm not worried about, you know, this kid's jump cut. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I played with one foot on the ground at all times pretty much. So, yeah, and there was no jumping. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm at that point now where as long as I don't fall step, I don't care. If you're going forward or going the way I need you to and you don't fall step, I'm getting to that point now where I don't care what your footwork is as long as you get there as an offensive line. That's the point I'm getting to. Yeah, no, I get it, man. Like it's, uh, you know, you hate to be like outcome driven, but like, like I said, the shapes change. Mm-hmm. The shape, your the how you can move efficiently versus someone else's may look different outwardly, expressed outwardly through your body differently. Mm-hmm. But if the movement's the same, right? We're achieving the same downforce and angles and hand placement and understanding, you know, which hand am I trying to be heavy on and get my cleats in the ground before I make contact with the second level and all those things, like how they get there probably doesn't matter as much as long as they're doing those pieces of it. Right. And as a, you know, it's either your coach, you know, it's, it's a final, that's what, that's sort of, coaching though right it's like um what's too much what's not enough right that's that's what separates the good guys from the okay guys right right um oh am i lost him again yeah all right well steve i gotta run man i gotta i got a coaches meeting but uh i do appreciate you having me on man um this was fun we'll no, I, do it again yeah i appreciate you coming on uh guys i'll put coach's twitter in the bio great defensive minded guy i will be asking you to come back again i'm gonna annoy you to bring you back on that's what i'll do Um, But I appreciate it. Guys watching or listening, thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.